The Wild Beast Tamer, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Careers of Danger and Daring by Cleveland Moffat. The Wild Beast Tamer, Part 4. We see Mr. Bostock matched against a wild lion and hear about the Tiger Rajah. Whenever I made the round of cages with Mr. Bostock, I was struck by the fierce behaviour of a certain male lion with a brown and yellow mane, the young Wallace, they called him, who would set up a horrible snarling as soon as we came near, and rush at the bars as if to tear them down. And no matter how great the crowd, his wicked yellow eyes would always follow Bostock, and his deep purring roar would continue and break into furious barks if the tamer approached the bars. Then his jaws would open and the red muzzle curl back from his tusks, and again and again he would strike the floor with blows that would crush a horse. "'Doesn't love me, does he?' said Bostock one day. "'What's the matter with him?' I asked. "'Why, nothing, only he's a wild lion, never been tamed, you know, "'and I took him in the ring one day. "'He hasn't forgotten it, have you, old boy? "'Ha!' "'Bostock stamped his foot suddenly, "'and young Wallace crouched back, snarling still, "'a picture of hatred and fear. "'Yes,' went on Bostock, "'he's wild enough. "'You see, after the fire I had to get animals "'from pretty much everywhere and get them quick. "'Did some lively cabling, I can tell you.' and pretty soon there were lions and tigers and leopards, and oh, everything from sacred bulls down to snakes, chasing across the ocean, and more than half of them had been loose in the jungle six months ago. It was a case of hustle, and we took what they sent us. Then we had fun breaking them. Ask Madame Morelli if we didn't. She's in hospital now from the claws of that fellow. He pointed to a sleepy-looking jaguar. "'Tell you how I came to take this wild lion into the ring. "'I had a press agent who'd been announcing out west "'what a wonder I was with wild beasts, "'and how I wasn't afraid of anything on legs and so on. "'It was all very well when I was in Baltimore, "'but when I joined my other show after the fire, "'of course I had to live up to my reputation. "'And when they got up a travelling men's benefit out in Indianapolis "'and asked me to go into the ring with young Wallace,' "'Why, there wasn't anything to do but go in. "'It wasn't quite so funny, though, as it seemed, "'for I might as well have taken a lion fresh from the wilds of Africa.' "'Mr. Bostock smiled at the memory. "'Well, I did the thing and got through all right. "'Young Wallace hasn't forgotten what happened to him. "'I got the best of him by a trick, "'had a little shelter cage placed inside the big arena cage.' "'and at first I stood in the small one "'and let the lion come at me. Oh, "'You'd better believe he came. "'I thought sure he'd jump clean over the thing and land on me, "'for there was no roof to my cage, "'only sides of wire netting. "'He didn't quite do it, though, "'and as soon as I saw he was getting rattled, "'I stepped out quick and went at him hard with whip and club. "'And I drove him all over the ring, "'and the people went crazy, "'for he was the maddest lion you ever saw.' That was all right as far as it went, but the people wanted more. They got to be out-and-out bloodthirsty here in Indianapolis. Wanted me to go in the ring with Ranger, that big tiger. See over there? Come up, Ranger. Beauty, isn't he? Doesn't even pay any special attention to me, does he? 
nearly killed me just the same. Look, he lifted his cap and showed wide strips of plaster on his head. Point about Rajah was that he'd killed one of my keepers a couple of weeks before. Poor fellow got into his cage by mistake. And now these Indianapolis folks wanted to see me handle him. Between you and me, this keeper wasn't the first man Rajah had killed, and I didn't care much for the job. As for my wife, well, you could imagine how she felt when she heard I was going in with Rajah. On the morning of the performance I decided to have a rehearsal and call on a few picked men to help me. I knew by the way he had killed his keeper that Rajah would go at my head if he attacked me at all, so I rigged up a mask of iron wire and wore this strapped over my head like a little barrel. Then I drove him into the arena and began while the others looked on anxiously. It's queer, sir, but that tiger went through his tricks as nice as you please, back and forth, upon his pedestal and down again, everything just as he used to in the old days before he went bad. Never bulked, never turned on me, just as good as gold. Soon as I was satisfied, I drove him across the bridge and down the runway towards his den. I came about a dozen feet behind him, carrying a long wooden shield as we generally do in a narrow place. Rajah reached his cage all right and went in. You see, he couldn't go down the runway any farther, for the door opening outward barred the passage. Behind that door I had stationed a keeper, with orders to close it as soon as Rajah went inside. But Rajah went in so silently that the keeper didn't know, the peepholes in the door being too high for him to see very well. The result was that the cage door stood open for a few seconds after the tiger had gone in. It seems a little thing, but it nearly cost me my life. For when I came up, Rajah's head was right back of the open door, and when I reached out my hand to close the door, he sprang at me, and in a second had me down, with his teeth in my arm, and his claws digging into my head through openings in the mask. Then you'd better believe there was a fight in the runway. The keepers rushed in, Bonavita rushed in, they shot at him with revolvers, they jabbed him with irons, they pounded him with clubs and one of the blows that Rajah dodged knocked me senseless. Well, they got me out finally. I guess the mask saved my life. But I didn't take Rajah into the ring that evening, and Rajah won't be seen in the ring any more. He's made trouble enough. Why, the things I could tell you about that tiger would fill a book. Some of these things he did tell me, for I brought the talk back to Rajah whenever the chance offered. I well remember, for instance, the occasion when I heard how Rajah once got out of his cage and chased the quagga, one of those queer little animals that are half zebra and half mule. It was late at night and we had entered the runway. Mr. Bostock and I, after the performance, for he wanted me to realise the perils of this narrow bordered lane that circles all the dens and leads the lions into the ring, it is indeed a terrifying place, a low, dimly lighted passage curving constantly so that you can see ahead scarcely twenty feet and always turning a slow corner always peering ahead uneasily and listening what is that a soft tread a glow of greenish eyeballs who can tell when a bolt may slip or a board give way so many things have happened in these runways of course a lion has no business to be out of his den but suppose he is Suppose you meet him, now, there. 
Well, it was there that I heard the story. Bonavita, it appears, was standing on the bridge one morning when there arose a fearful racket in the runway, and looking in he saw the quagga tearing towards him. He concluded that someone had unfastened the door, and was just preparing to check the animal when around the corner came Rajah in full pursuit. Bonavita stepped back, drew his revolver, and as the tiger rushed past, fired a blank cartridge, thinking thus to divert him from the quagga. But Rajah paid not the slightest heed, and in long bounds came out into the arena hard after the terrified quadruped, which was galloping now with the speed of despair. A keeper who was sweeping clambered up the iron sides and anxiously watched the race from the top. Bonavita, powerless to interfere, watched from the bridge. Of all the races ever run in the circus, this was the most remarkable. It was a race for life, as the quagga knew and the tiger intended. Five times they circled the arena, Rajah gazing always, but never enough for a spring. In the sixth turn, however, he judged the distance right, and straight away a black and yellow body shot through the air in true aim at the prey. Whereupon the quagga did the only thing a quagga could do, let out both hind legs in one straight tremendous kick, and they do say a quagga can kick the eyes out of a fly. At any rate, in this case, a pair of nervous little heels caught the descending tiger squarely under the lower jaw and put him to sleep like a nice little lullaby. And that was the end of it. The quagga chopped back into his cage. Bonavita put up his revolver. The frightened sweeper climbed down from the bars, and Rajah was hauled back ignominiously to his den. Here we have three instances showing the extreme importance of little things in a menagerie. A keeper opens the door number 13 instead of door number 14, and is straightaway killed. A screw loose in a bolt fastening, and presto, a tiger is at large. A watcher at a peephole looks away for a moment, and a life goes into jeopardy. It is always so, and I will let Mr. Bostock tell how a little thing gave Rajah his first longing to kill. It was several years ago, said he, when I was running a wagon show in England. I remember we were about a mile and a half out of a certain town when this thing happened. For some reason Rajah had been transferred to a bear wagon, and we ought to have examined it more carefully, for bears are the worst fellows in the world to damage a cage by ripping up the timbers. It seems as if nothing can resist their claws and teeth. And this particular cage was in such a bad shape that Rajah managed to get out of it. I knew something must be wrong when I saw the big elephant wagon that headed the procession go tearing away with its six horses on a dead run under the driver's lash. No wonder the driver was scared, for he had turned his head and seen the two draught horses that followed him down on the ground, with Rajah tearing at one of them, and the other dead. It wasn't a pretty sight when we got there, and it wasn't an easy job either, capturing Rajah. I don't know what we should have done if he had not been for a long-haired fellow in the show called Mustang Ned, who came up with a coil of rope and lassoed the tiger. Then we tangled him up in netting and finally got him into one of the shifting cages. But after that he was never the same tiger. You wouldn't think there was a time when Rajah used to ride around the tent on an elephant's back, with only a little black boy to guard him. What? Outside the iron ring? Yes, sir, right among the women and children. 
He did that twice a day for over a year. Might be doing it yet if the black boy hadn't been so careful of his white trousers. His white trousers? That's right. You see, this boy rode on the elephant behind Rajah, and he wore long black boots and a fine white suit. Made quite a picture. And he didn't like to rub his trousers against the tiger, for an animal's back is naturally oily. He used to tuck his legs under a lion's skin that Rajah rode on, and wrap it round him like a carriage robe. Well, one day as we were going round, the nigger lost his balance, and tumbled off the elephant, pulling the lion's skin with him. And, of course, that dragged Rajah along, too. The first thing we knew, there was a big tiger on the ground, and people running around screaming. Pleasant, wasn't it? In another minute we'd have had a panic, but by good luck I was there, and caught Rajah quickly around the neck, and held him till the others got a rope on him. Then we had a time getting him back on the elephant. First I tried to make him spring up from a high pedestal, but he wouldn't spring. Next I had them work a ladder under Rajah, so he sat on it, and then with two men at one end and me at the other, we lifted him slowly level with our shoulders, level with their heads, and just there the tiger gave a vicious growl, and the two men lowered their end. That made him work up towards my end, and in a second I had Rajah's face close to my face, and both hands occupied with the ladder. I couldn't do a thing, and the only question was what he would do. He looked at me, looked at the elephant, and then struck out hard and quick, missing me only by a hair. In fact, he didn't miss me entirely, for one of his claws just reached the corner of my eye. See, I have the scar still. But he jumped on the elephant, and we kept the mastery that day. Still, it was a bad business, and I saw we couldn't take such chances again. That was Rajah's last ride. End of the Wild Beast Trainer Part 4